Hey everybody, welcome to Lulu Island. I've got Randall with me and as some of you, most of you would have noticed, I've been having some philosophical conversations ever since I, <laughs> I, was, I was mean to Patrick. Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> I feel like I keep having to apologize. Um, anyway, so uh, at the moment, there's a discussion going on. I, I posed the question to Patrick about the philosopher Nietzsche because Patrick was talking about a problematic philosopher that was coming to his university, problematic in that the LGBTQ community were not so happy about having someone who was openly um, homophobic come and um, present at their university. And so there was discussion about whether it should happen, how should it happen, da-da-da-da. Patrick was unpacking it from his, you know, from a multitude of perspectives. And one of them, he used the philosopher, and I think it was Frigel. I think it was Bertrand, you know, the Bertrand Russell's, is it, yeah, he's, I, I'm pretty sure. And, and he, yeah, Frager? Yeah. yeah. I, I think this is the one. Unless I'm getting all my episodes mixed up. Um, but I do remember him saying he didn't really like him, he didn't really agree with him. But then it that wasn't, yeah, so it's all mixed up. So then I was like, so philosophers that you're not quite sure about, what do you, and, and their ideas, and da da da. What, like, what about Nietzsche? Like, he's, like, he was used for the Nazis, and et cetera, et cetera. How do we see him now? What, how do you see him? And Patrick was like, yeah, my, my sense, because I can't actually find Patrick's response in my archives. Archives! Um, so, yeah, but I remember it being along the lines of similar to what other people have said, what Damien said, what, um, uh, yeah, it's it just that it's like, well, you know, we can't really tie, we can't, they're not really responsible for what people do with those words. So I've asked and I've asked Randall to have a think about it. I haven't given him really any time whatsoever. But I did want to first <coughs> um, say that I think there is already an inherent problem in the discussion that there hasn't been a separation made um, between the person and their work. It's like, it's almost like a bit, like it, it's a bit amorphous in the discussion as a whole. Like, um, and, um, and you were telling me that there's a logical fallacy about that, that you have to be careful of, which is like, what's it called? Oh, an attack ad hominem, which is uh, uh, arguing against someone's argument by attacking the person. The problem is it doesn't matter how deeply flawed the person is, their argument could still be right. Mm, okay. So, yeah, so it's, it's, but it, okay, and it's tricky, and I think this is why it gets muddy, Randall, and now I'm going to throw you totally into it um, <laughs> by saying, I'm not sure I totally agree because... I mean, the ideas come from the person in their lived experience. How, like, but yeah, I'd, surely, like, it's fair enough to, to make, to connect dots and make relationships. But, like, I guess, is that the same as an attack? 
Yeah, look, there, there are times where, where who the person is will matter. Um, but for general argument, for example, I could be the worst person in the world, but I say the sky is blue. Now, we'll generally agree the sky is blue, and it doesn't matter how awful a person I am, it doesn't change the fact that what I've said is actually correct. Okay, I'm going to shift it over into something more... Let's see how much time do I have left. All right, I'm going to close it up here, and then I'm going to, I'm going to brief Randall before the next segment, and then I'm going to give an example of where I think... Um, something directly related to Nietzsche and how a different understanding of his life story and narrative, I think, makes him seem different, like interprets his work differently. Okay, be back real soon. Randall and I are going to start off with a definition of terms, attack at hominy. Attack at hominy. And ad hominy. It, mean, it simply means attacking the man. And say it again. Attack ad hominin. So uh, I was saying to Randall, like, can you completely separate a person from their work? And Randall explained to me that it's a lot more nuanced than that. That, okay, I'm going to just hand it over to Randall and you can explain to people what this actually means, this idea. Okay, so... Uh, definitely who a person was and understanding a person can help you to understand their work, uh, without a doubt. Um, where it be uh, That's very useful. Nietzsche, as our example, makes much more sense when you understand something of who Nietzsche was. Um, however, to simply say something like, Nietzsche was a bad person, therefore I don't have to deal with his work at all, I can just write it off. Or he was crazy. Or he was crazy. Yeah. Anything. That's an attack ad hominem. That's where you're simply taking who the person was, no regard for the work itself, and just writing their work off off the back of who they were. Um, you hear the arguments all the time, I don't have to worry about them, they're an idiot. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but the, the problem well, is um, there might be truth within their work, even if they were a loon. And, and that's, I suppose, a way of attacking whole sort of groups of people and their ideas and attack ad hominem. Absolutely. Okay, so now we've covered attack ad hominem. We're going to move on to the next point, which I'm not even sure what it is yet, but I'll figure it out in between. <laughs> so now, drum roll please. Brrr. Randall, what do you think about the notion of is someone, is a philosopher responsible? How, how responsible? How do we weigh up, like from a, like a deontological versus consequentialist, you know, like intention versus, you know, what ends up actually happening, like point from those two polarities, how do we morally weigh the words of people who are, have been put on a pedestal in our societies as great thinkers that we're supposed to, you know, listen to or that we do listen to already are in, woven into our society. How, like, you know, how responsible are they for, for, what, they, for what they incite in others? Um, it, look, this is controversial. There's people, there's people have opinions right across the gamut. Some say you're absolutely responsible, you've got to be responsible in what you write. Uh, others who say once it's written, it's, you know, it's just out there, it's not your problem what people do with it. I, I personally tend to take a middle road. 
Um, I don't think, once you've written something and put it out there, I don't think you can be held responsible for uh, people deliberately misinterpreting it, for example, uh, as in the case of Nietzsche and the Nazis. Once it was already out there, there's nothing he could do with their appropriation of it. However, I think Nietzsche, uh, and he's a good example, he, he was a, there was a little bit of a darkness about Nietzsche, a little bit of perversity, and I think he enjoyed saying things in a controversial way that stirred the pot. And that's not bad, that gets people thinking, but it did make it easier for the Nazis later to appropriate it. So, And that is the middle ground, but what about with this example of the, prof the homophobic professor and him coming to the campus, and he is spreading like um patrick's argument was well you know he's become less um less right-wing over time and so you've got to take people's like work in the context of their time and you know i mean like i think he sounds like he's i think he's a moral relativist like yourself but i, I think i i lean a little more towards consequentialism and i think you know just because the impact, <laughs> you know, can be so great. And so what if someone is actually inciting people is kind of like, you know, putting the, I mean, it, it may not have been Nietzsche, but it was definitely Nietzsche and his sister and that, you know, there was a group of people who used that, those ideas, you know, if we're to separate the man from his ideas, like there's a group of people who deliberately crafted those ideas to make them easily used by the system. So in a sense, they were an extension of Nietzsche's work, like a bit like Meninka's is to Confucianism, you know, like they were to, you know, like they just extended it and systematized like some of the fuck shit. But like, so that's one thing, but what, 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 when it's, like deliberately flies in the face of like it's definitely bigotry that somebody is spreading like what then yeah look i i guess in line i guess with the with the my middle middle take is at the time of writing or at the time of speaking you are responsible uh you have a choice in what you say you have a choice in what you write um however i guess what i'm saying is i don't believe that uh, you are any more guilty. For, for example, Nietzsche was responsible at the time of writing, and there may be some guilt there in that he wrote in ways that were easy to appropriate, but he doesn't become more guilty at the point that someone actually appropriates it for something bad. Yeah, not him, but his, but his work, I guess we need to look at his work in that way and think about... Because <clears throat> if, you, if you look at his work that way and start to think about, well... <clears throat> how how was the work culpable? <laughs> you know, maybe not Nietzsche himself, maybe he can't, like the individual can't see everything, but we can learn over time by perhaps making, like actually daring to make moral judgments about what these canon thinkers say, like and say maybe they could have, you know, like, done better or maybe we could learn from their mistakes and do better ourselves. We're about to run out of time. Um... I might do, a, I'll just say thank you very much, Randall. I think you've already given me heaps of your time. We need to go fix my motorbike now. Do you want to say a quick goodbye? Bye, everyone. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, Randall's going to throw down to Larry about, Larry, your ideas about ideas are whack. I kind of thought so too, but 
Now we got DJ Randall coming in to tell you what it's all about. All right, ideas. Um, I, look, I get where you're coming from. It's a very pragmatic approach. The that only what's happening now that matters. But the reality is, all of our thoughts are just ideas. They're all just concepts, ideas, ways of dealing with stuff. And ideas are for, uh, informed by ideas that have gone before. There would actually, if you went through all your thinking, all your ideas, your concepts about the world, you would discover, although it might have been, say, taught to you by your parents, they would have got it from somewhere, they would have got it from somewhere. The history of ideas is important because it helps us to better understand our current ideas. Nice one, Randall. All right, Larry, it's time for you to throw down back. See if you can do better than that. Randall and I are now officially task switching. <laughs> well, we're going between um, him showing me how to fix my motorcycle when it's my scooter when it's broken, to <laughs> tackling social Darwinism, which I had heard about. I didn't really like the vibe of, and uh, I asked Randall about. He's done his own research into, and this is what he's got to say about it. Okay, social Darwinism. Uh, I'm going to give you three arguments of why it's a problem. First one comes from a principle in ethics which says you can't get an ought from an is. In other words, just because you've got a description of something going on in the world, that isn't, that isn't on its own enough to give you uh, an ethical prescription. Okay, because just because it exists in nature doesn't mean that it makes it ethically right. That's right. So... Uh, Free mantises like bite their heads off their lovers. We, you you don't say we'll we're all right to okay. So uh, Darwinism is a description. Given that descriptions are, are not sufficient to to give you a prescription, you can't get a prescription out of Darwinism alone. You need something else uh, at the very least. Second argument, which is related to that, which you were just touching on, is many creatures kill their own kind. If we're to take Darwinism as a basis for an ethic, well then it seems that what we've done as a general principle is take a description of nature to underpin our ethics. Well, a description of nature says many creatures kill their own kind. Therefore, murder is completely justified. Mm. Uh, and the, the third argument is an argument from history. Uh, when they tried uh, engineering society, uh, it led to eugenics and, in the end, to the, uh, the Holocaust uh, by the Nazis. Um, so, you know, it's a dangerous road to start walking down. And, and even before that, it started in the US, right? Like, with the, um, the was it, it wasn't, the, the World Trade Fair was in Paris, wasn't it? And then after, the one in the States was the, it was another World Trade Fair, or sim similar, and, the, and that's when they first started talking eugenics-y type talk, or at least because they're so paranoid, right, about how many losses of the young men they'd had in the war, so it bred all this paranoia, right, about making sure that, you know, everyone was breeding well and the survival, like particularly in America. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's typical of humans. We get a description of something, we've got a head round a description, whether it's completely accurate or not, to be debated, and we then want to go from that and use that to uh, then take control of things. Uh, but unfortunately, in the case of Darwinism, it led to some pretty awful results. 
Mm, and also, like, even talking about, um, you and I have talked about the scientific revolution, the age of enlightenment, and some of the not, you know, very often addressed problematic aspects of, like, what came out of that period, like, in terms of how that's informed us ideologically today, which is definitely a subject that I would like to talk to you about on another occasion, because I think it's quite interesting, and talking about, you know, in terms of, like, how thinkers have informed our whole society, <laughs> you know, like uh, the Enlightenment period, the scientific revolution, however you want to describe it, or you could say they're two different things. Anyway, uh, it so much of how we live today, you know, it has been affected by that mm. period in time. I mean, quite dramatically. Oh, yeah. 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 Look, the Enlightenment was the birth of the modern world. Uh, it really was that, particularly in the Western world, but you could argue that then uh, the implications of it affected the whole world. And I think people tend to think that it's the technology that has changed things, but I think I would argue that ideas, you know, you know what comes first, the technology or the ideas? Yeah. I think that the people have the ideas and then they invent the tools to be able to find out whether their ideas are right or not. Yeah, look, most te technological devices are just ideas in physical form. I mean, they're an idea first and you're just cashing out that idea in material. Yeah. So many, many more things to discuss, Randall, but first... I've got to fix my scooter. <laughs> Thank you. Off to fix the scooter. Randall has fixed the scooter. It's now running. I've been shown how to suck on the tube to make it become alive again. I didn't have to suck on it. Randall did the sucking. But you said like about 10 seconds, 10, 15. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. I have to suck on this tubey thing that we've tied a piece of string around so we know which tube it is. I've got to take it off the, what is it? Spigot? Spigot. A spigot. I've got to take it off the spigot and then thread it through to underneath the motorbike, uh, sort of like near the back wheel. And then I've got to suck on it and then stick it back on the spigot and then try the engine again. And it should run. So, well, well, at least I'll give it a go. I'll give it a red hot go. So, I, yeah. Randall has schooled me in the, in the spigot tube sucking ways of my scooter. And that made perfect sense. And how to unscrew. And it was two screws. Two screws. I'll, I'll show you back. Two screws and... Yeah, tabs and things. These are a few of my tabs and things. When my bike's broke, but I've got a Randall who's willing to come and fix it for me. But I need to learn to do it myself because Randall lives very far away from me. <laughs> Oh, why? What did you do? What did you fix? So the idle down. The idle was just, the idle was just a bit high. Oh, the idle's high, but I'm moving on. I want to be your number one. I'm not the kind of gal 
who gets her bike fixed like that? Oh no, oh no. <laughs> Randall, you're so nice for fixing my bike. Yeah, I'm not quite, I'm not sure what melody I'm going with there. Here, you're the bike whisperer. My saddle's good compared to your black shiny. It looks like something Batman would would ride. <laughs> or the boy blunder. I mean, boy blunder. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's Batgirl who rides the motorbike. Yeah, I I can imagine. I fancy myself as if I was a superhero. I'd like to be the the Black Canary. So I could see the Black Canary rocking a bike like this for sure. The mind? No, you don't. That's a terrible joke, Randall. Don't speak about my favourite superhero like that. And you know I'm a crazy bird lady. How dare you? All right, you fixed my bike. It's okay. You're forgiven. Oh right, okay. I'm, I'm so confused. No, you don't want to be. You don't. You don't want my lame ass shit. So what? I'm looking for the signs of what brand your bike is. Okay, Yamaha. There we go. So I like that it's not blazed across. It's quite well, subtle. Well, it's supposed to have a little round badge right there. Mm-hmm. I found some cheapies in China, some knockoff ones, but the glue on them was useless, so they just peeled off. Yamaha want 30 bucks a throw for them. I'm not paying 30 bucks for a sticker. No, no. So... That's fair enough. It's a nice bike. It, yeah. It All looks right, cool. You want to have a go at that? See if you can... All right. Well, how? All right. Yep. Okay. Let's see if I can suck in forty-five seconds. Oh, and take uh, you it won't open. get it. You won't get it done in forty-five seconds. Okay. Right. I'm I'm good with a good with a, um, a Phillips head screwdriver. Yep. Though. So yeah, just click them up, keep them somewhere nice and safe. Oh, no, Actually, the, the easiest thing to do, which I didn't do, but probably best thing to do, is when you get that cover off, flip it, put it on the ground upside down. Yes, exactly. Okay, so you like you dig down a bit. That's the one. Yep, just slip it, slide it off there. Am I still on the thing? Do I have time? All right. I mean, I'm taking the hose off the sprocket. Spigot. Spigot. Taking the hose off the spigot and threading it through. I've got my hand under the bike and you know, suck it for five, six, five seconds. Okay, and then thread it back through underneath and then stick it back on the spigot. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, I'm never going to learn that word. And we're done. Done. I did, done, did. Oh, and then, I, then I've got to put the thing back on. Okay, okay. Now I've got to put the lid back on. Probably worth, though, yeah. getting in the habit of firing up and making oh, sure okay. it starts All before right. you put that back on in case you need oh, to do it again. That's true. All right, let's try that. All right. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. There you go. 
Yeah, and what, what Brad was saying about the downhill, he might be right. It may actually, I was looking at how steep, when you park it back in, it may actually be the fuel's running back. It may not actually be evaporating. It may just be running... Um, oh, okay. It may be running back to the tank. Because okay. that, yeah, that tap's not real high. It's not a long way above the carburetor, so it could be. Mm. All right. I can do this. Cool. Yeah, like, it's really... It's like giving my motorbike a blowjob. That's right. <laughs> it'll run twice as good for you now. Because <laughs> it'll be happy with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know how to treat my motorbike better now. Thanks, Randall. <laughs> it's never too... You're never too old. I may be 45, but I'm here to tell you, it's you're never too old to learn. <laughs> cool, there you go. <clears throat> Drop that All back right. and you're set. Yeah, baby. All right. Okay. Thank you for listening. Oh, I like the t-shirt. What part of no, don't you understand? Oh, this is, yeah, this is, this is for World Philosophy Day. Oh, years ago. That. That's hilarious. But, yeah. Oh. Funny, I went into one, one guy on my course and he didn't like it. Oh. Oh. Early days, his flatmate made him a present. Uh, just said on it. So, what is a philosophy degree? Thanks, Randall. That's okay. Oh, I think I crash out. Oh fuck, Randall. Would you? Oh no, I'll I'll just my webs to pack. Plus, I'd have to pay for it all, but my endone's already paid for. Right. And it's just if I have a PTSD episode, I need something that's giving me a solid hit of GABA, and I don't have. So basically, you just take that in, and I'll give you three pills. Right. Okay. Now. But I could call them first. Yeah, you might need to call them. I will definitely yeah, call yeah, them first. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Randall. Yeah, that's um, okay. Because um, yeah, I just, I just, I need something as an emer, you know, like, yeah, um, yeah, that's all right. emergency. Yeah, that's all right. And I could get my. I've run out of stuff. Oh no, or have I? Oh, oh shit. Yeah, I mean, I might get it, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And that's oh, oh, a thing was recording. Fuck you, phone. It's so okay and it's recording on time. It does. It just like, fuck, it's terrible. It's, it's a real shocker. All right, I'll call them. Um, cool. Yeah, I'll call them straight away. Oh, I just got to get the that. number. Th thanks, Randall. No worries. Yeah. No, I don't think it make any difference, really. Would what? What? Oh, whether I take like your pension card or, or Medicare card. Or oh, I've my neighbour picks stuff up from me there for all the time. Oh, so okay. They, okay. I, they, yeah, they, yeah. they, they know me. Yeah, no worries. And because you've got the jar with the thing on it. Yeah. Hello there. That was a bit of a random recording, but yeah, Randall's gone to the pharmacy for me, and they're going to give him all my whole Webster pack, which means basically my medication for the next two weeks. A day early, which is good because I've been having, um, well, I had my worst PTSD episode yesterday. It was, um, <laughs> sorry, that sound, 
It's licorice root tea in the, uh, anyway, in this space tech food processor thing I've got. Um, so I had, um, for those of you who knows, who know what this means, I, I had a PTSD episode from just getting in a situation I won't I don't want to I don't want to talk about the trigger <clears throat> but um I uh, became catatonic so I I couldn't speak and that's happened before but this time I was also frozen I had the toast in my hand I was I could move my eyes a little. Um, somehow I managed to turn it around. Trudy said she couldn't believe that I'd, or not that she couldn't believe, but because she, she believes me, she know you know she. She knows. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God for you, Trudy. Um, yeah. And everyone else, that you know who you are. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm recovering. Uh, I've got Brad coming over this evening as well. So some of the pressure that's kind of causing the PTSD to play up is being alleviated with Brad's help. With him coming over tonight, so. That's what that was all about, kind of self-care. <laughs>